Latvia Weekly with Otto Taboons and Joe Horgan. And welcome to episode number 32 of the Latvia Weekly Podcast. It is Wednesday, June 12th, 2019, and it's about 11.30 p.m. here in Yelgava, and I'm your host, Joe Horgan. Now, for those of you who have listened before, might listen regularly, you might be wondering where in the world is Otto Tabuns, who normally is reading through the news with me and discussing it with me, either here in person or you know over the phone. And the answer to that question is America, once again. And towards the end of the episode, you will find out exactly why. Now, the major story of the last few days, specifically the last few days, but also the week, really, has been that it is extraordinarily hot here in Latvia, and also in Yelgava, specifically, which um, has been torturing me. And there have been some serious consequences to this heat. One of those consequences is the fact that yesterday, Otto and Olevs were both here in Yelgava, and we had a little bit of a going away celebration for Otto, and we recorded an entire episode. And it was, I think, probably the best episode that we've ever recorded before. So for uh, those of you who don't remember who Olevs is, uh, he... Uh, Olaf Nickers has uh, filled in for me a few times when I've been gone. So him and Otto have done the podcast together uh, a few times. So we recorded this wonderful episode. And this is the first time that we've recorded an episode when it's been so hot, where we haven't been in some kind of air-conditioned place, you know, such a central station in Riga. And since we haven't had the experience of recording in this kind of extremely hot weather, it never occurred to yours truly, Mr. Producer Extraordinaire, that electronics don't function the way that they do in more normal or colder weather. And unfortunately, we lost about 45-50 minutes of audio, the entire domestic section that we've recorded. Luckily, we do still have the international section, which Auto did, also the week in history, and we also had um, the week in the future. So uh, there is still something, but unfortunately, since uh, Otto has been in transit all day and I still wanted to get the episode out, you know, in kind of the normal time span, I am going to try my best to personally do the domestic stories myself. And, uh, you know, obviously I am not the walking encyclopedia of Latvian political knowledge that Otto is, so I'm not going to go into quite so much detail as we normally do in all the stories, but I am going to still cover the essentials. Now, about the heat. So besides the consequences that we here at Latvia Weekly personally uh, went through, which was losing an entire episode worth of material, uh, there's been a lot more serious consequences throughout the country. So on Tuesday, uh, there was 50 calls to emergency services, or about 50 calls to emergency services throughout Latvia. Uh, Most of these were around the Tukums area, which is kind of central western Latvia, uh, a lot also in uh, Kordzame and Vidzame, where there were severe, severe thunderstorms. And one of my colleagues who um, also works in Tukums, because Tukums isn't that far from Yelgava, it's about, I don't know, like a 30, 30, 40-minute drive, uh, he was showing me pictures where hail had come down, hail the size of golf balls, and a combination of hail and wind had completely ripped roofs off of houses, and there was cars that were, you know, the, the glass had been destroyed. So, um, you know, definitely uh, some serious, serious, severe weather all throughout the country. And, uh, you know, there's been maps that you can find everywhere of uh, all the lightning that happened and, 
you know, th- thousands of bolts of lightning a minute. You know, it's just uh, been quite crazy weather here uh, the last few days. And a much more tragic consequence of this heat. So in the summer weather, of course, we're all looking for ways to cool down. And in Latvia, we're very, very lucky because we have so many great places to swim. We have so many great lakes. We have so many great rivers. We have the Baltic Sea. And at first glance, especially Latvia's rivers, look very placid. They look very shallow. And for the most part, they are very shallow. And they look very calm. And the thing is that that's not always the case. And there's one very specific river, the River Gauja, which goes all the way through Vidzeme. For those of you who've been to Sigulda before, Valmira, Tsesis, this is a beautiful river that goes all the way through Latvia's kind of northern section and then goes out to the Baltic Sea, not too far from Riga. And there was this horrible, tragic incident that happened this week where there was a foreign national who went swimming with some friends in this river, and he went missing. And um, we, you know, uh, his his wife uh, contacted some people in Latvia, and we tried our best here at Latvia Weekly to, to get the word out. And sadly, the result was that his body was found by rescue divers. And what makes Gauja so dangerous isn't just the fact that the current is surprisingly strong. It doesn't necessarily look like it on the top, but there are very strong undercurrents. Um, also, the geography of the area. So Latvia uh, has a very sandy soil. There's a lot of false bottoms. Uh, it's very common for there to be some kind of whirlpools that that happen beneath the surface. So I just want to remind everyone, I love swimming. I love swimming here in Latvia. There's many, many, many great places to swim. But just please be careful when you go out swimming. Respect the lakes, respect the ponds, respect the rivers. You know, do remember that even if it, you know, looks narrow, looks shallow, it might not be as safe as it looks. And just always remember, go with somebody, let somebody know where you are. You know, just, you know, it, it sounds like the simplest things, but according to state rescue services, there's already been 32 people who have drowned this year. And that that's just this year alone. Uh, last year, there was 118. The year before that, 102. So, you know, just uh, just be safe. Just just be really, really careful. And, uh, you know, e- even if you're not listening to this in Latvia, just wherever you are in the world, you, you just never know. You know, we're, we're worried all the time about all kinds of different existential threats, uh, you know, the rise of AI and the possibility of some kind of war, or, you know, asteroids, aliens. The, these are the things that people obsess over. But really, at the end of the day, the most dangerous thing is, you know, walking across the street when there's some crazy person coming or, you know, going swimming in a place where you think it might be safe. So, you know, uh, just just be safe out there and, and, and just be uh, just be careful because that's the thing that we can actually have an effect on. So let's get into some of the major stories of the week here in Latvia. Uh, the first one that Otto and I and Olev's talked about yesterday was that so the KPVLV deputy Otis Zakdistovs and Otto, I know you're listening out there right now. I hope I did okay with that name because usually Otto's next to me and he's able to correct the names uh, right away. So uh, I apologize, Otto, if that was terrible, but I think I did pretty okay. So uh, his parliamentary immunity from prosecution was lifted this week, which there's a lot of interesting things to unpack right here. So stepping back a little bit, KPVLV was one of the uh, two largest parties in the coalition when they first came into the government this year. They are one of these kind of upstart parties that had a meteoric rise on the backs of not just Artis Kaimich, 
who is a very famous actor-turned-populist politician here in Latvia, but also Aldis Kobzems, who was the prime minister candidate. Both of them had a very aggressive, not just anti-corruption, but also very anti-establishment campaign that was, you know, resonated very well with a lot of voters. Uh, they ended up getting 16 seats in Saima out of 100. And things have not gone so well for them since coming into the government. And one thing that has not gone well is this case right here, because Mr. Zakatistovs, he has been under investigation by the anti-corruption agency for illegal campaign financing schemes and an illegal business scheme. And it was a very close vote. Only 55 voted for stripping him of his parliamentary immunity. Uh, 21 voted against, and there was a lot of abstentions. And one thing that's quite interesting is Yana Conservativa Partia, or the New Conservative Party, which came in, they also came in on an even stronger kind of anti-corruption platform. And, you know, th that's kind of been their biggest issue since, uh, you know, forming as a party a few years ago, and especially once uh, Yuta from who, who was a uh, former um, official over at Knob, the anti-corruption bureau, uh, came into the party. And she herself was very outspoken against uh, him losing his immunity, and she took the opportunity in this uh, vote when she had her speaking time to speak out against the Prosecutor General Eric Skolmayers, who is currently also under attack by party leader Giannis Bordons, who is also the, uh, he's the Minister of Justice uh, in, in the government. And she's worried that his actions have been, quote, degrading the rule of law. Now, the specific beef that Yana Conservative Party has with Mr. Kalmayers has to do with one uh, member of parliament, Yuris Yurash, from Yana Conservative Party, who also had his immunity lifted. That was back in October. And that was a very sensitive issue as well, even more sensitive than this one, really, because the reason why he was under investigation was back when he was a official over at Knob, which, again, is the anti-corruption bureau, he allegedly leaked sensitive information about one kind of ongoing case in which uh, he had allegedly been offered a bribe. He reported it to his higher-ups, and he says that they you know, didn't really do anything about it, and then so he went to the press, and allegedly that was sensitive information that wasn't allowed to be leaked, and, and that's the reason why he's been under investigation. Now, of course, supporters of Mr. Urosh have been saying that this is some kind of chilling effect, that this is some kind of you know, action by the establishment to try to prevent real corruption reform taking place and kind of a warning shot. And then proponents of him, you know, losing his uh, parliamentary immunity, you know, say that, well, this is a rule of law country and, you know, he did not go through the proper procedure. And we actually had one comment on our Facebook page, which uh, kind of turned into a little bit of a discussion. And one of our readers took the position which is quite common among KPVLV supporters and also um, members of the party that the media and also the establishment is very unfairly attacking KPVLV all the time. And you heard a lot of this during the election, especially after Mr. Artis Kaimanch, who again was the party leader, was also arrested about a year ago for allegedly using campaign funding to fund his uh, radio show. There were some different investigative reports, uh, both by uh, Latvia's Televisia, the the um, public broadcasting channel, and also by uh, different you know magazines like Ear and uh, the 
uh, Baltic Center for Investigative Journalism, Ray Baltica, uh, to the point where, you know, they fought back. You know, Mr. Kaimich made some YouTube videos, uh, you know, attacking the journalists, uh, in one case, at least the de facto report on LTV that, uh, you know, did, did the report. And, uh, you know, at a certain point instructed members of the party not to talk to some of those uh, journalistic organizations. And I would read Facebook posts all the time just uh, kind of parroting this, saying that, you know, it's not fair. All you hear is negative stuff about KPVLV. You never hear negative things about any of the other parties. And I've never understood how people can possibly take this position unless they've just never opened a newspaper or turned on the TV or you know, opened a news portal because, especially at that time, you just heard so much negative stuff about so many of the parties, uh, especially SAS, who, you know, was kind of the, the bogeyman of that party and, you know, for, you know, also some justifiable reasons because they, you know, there had also been a lot of corruption allegations there. Um, but I just remember at that specific time, there was just negative things all the time about uh, SAS, the uh, Union of Greens and Farmers, Aliu Zemnikusavnieba, uh, who uh, at the time the prime minister was was from that party, Mr. Mars Kuczynskis. And, you know, since I've been here in Latvia, there's just been negative story after negative story about uh, Vienotiba, which is now Yano Vienotiba, uh, about Saskina. You know, it's just, I, I just don't understand how you can possibly think that there's only negative stuff about KPV and that there's something, you know, special about them. And I think, you know, part of it was just that KPV was not taken very seriously for, you know, the kind of uh, first part of their existence back when they were one of these small little parties, one of these small little upstart parties, and then suddenly there was more attention on them because they shot up to the, you know, second or third most popular uh, party in the polls, and of course there's going to be increased scrutiny, Uh, but the party leaders and a lot of supporters took that very sensitively. I think part of that is just lack of political experience because I think the longer that you've been in politics, you know that it's a doggy dog world and that there's always going to be some kind of reporting. There's always going to be some kind of investigative journalism going on because there always needs to be a story. In this specific instance on the Facebook page, the comment the gentleman made was, well, why is Mr. Zakatistov's being targeted for this? It's just a small little violation. There's much bigger violations going on on all the time and, you know, in, in different parties and, you know, in Riga, for example. And, you know, again, there are investigations going on all the time. Yes, you know, maybe not everything is investigated completely properly. And and especially, you know, in the last couple of years, there's been kind of an uptick because as Otto and I have talked many, many times, the anti-corruption agencies here, not just Knob, but also some other ones have kind of uh, gained a little bit more teeth in, in the last few years. And, you know, the uh, fight against the systematic fight against corruption is still a relatively recent thing in uh, both Latvia and, and also this part of the world. Uh, so, you know, yeah, although things might not have been perfect in the past, that's not an excuse that, you know, that if there's uh, some kind of violation that, you know, there aren't consequences now. So anyway, I don't, and I, when we were talking about this yesterday, Otto and Olives also didn't see this as any kind of uh, particular targeting, but uh, I don't know, you know, that that's always in the eye of the beholder. So we will keep you updated on the, on Mr. Zakatistov's and in that criminal process. Uh, another kind of major coalition update. So, of course, Dotze Melbarde, who has been the longest serving Minister of Culture. I hope uh, auto you listening out there aren't going to autocorrect me, but at least based on my research, that is the case. So now that she was elected to European Parliament, and again, she's a member of Nationala Opioniba, the kind of more nationalist party, which is one of the coalition members, uh, she, there's an empty seat for the Minister of Culture. And there's been a lot of speculation 
over the last few weeks as to who could take that over. There was a lot of celebrity names, including you know different composers who might take over that position. And it turns out that it looks like the uh, next culture minister is going to be an opera singer. And that is going to be Mr. Nauris Puntulis, who is also a member of Riga City Council. And for those of you who are fans of 80s Latvian rock, he also sang with the group Perkons for some time as well in the early 80s. So if you haven't listened to them before, you should definitely go look them up because they are quite a wonderful band. So we will keep you updated on that confirmation process, but it looks like that he's interested in the job and that uh, he probably will become the next culture minister. So now it's time for Otto and I's favorite segment, our favorite thing to talk about. I feel so sad doing this without him. Again, for those of you who've never listened before, uh, Otto and I are both completely obsessed with trains and rail and different rail development projects, so we always devote some of the show to talk about some of the major updates. Uh, There's kind of two stories right here. So one is that not only has Mr. Eric Kalmeyers, the prosecutor general, been feeling the heat from different Yana Conservativa Party ministers, the board of Latvia's Delselsh, which is the the state-owned rail kind of uh, authority here in Latvia. So the board of Latvia's has been under attack from Mr. Tallis Linkites, who is the transport minister here. And despite him suggesting that, you know, perhaps the board needs to be reshuffled or, or remade, uh, the board is confident that apparently they will continue their work. And according to the English version of LSM, which is Latvian public media, so the board has gone to Knob and has confirmed that nobody on the board is involved in any ongoing open criminal proceedings at this time. So it looks like, at least in the near term, this kind of, uh, I don't know, conflict between the Minister of Transport and the board of the largest rail authority in the country is going to continue. Um, You know, he's also possibly threatened that uh, the passenger rail authority could also be liquidated and replaced with some other kind of um, you know, new state-owned company. So we will keep you updated with this ongoing soap opera. Now, a more fun story is that the Rail Baltica project, so this is, for those of you who haven't heard from us a million times before, the project that will link the Baltic states, specifically the Baltic capitals, with the rest of Europe's, or specifically Western Europe's, high-speed rail system. And so they have launched this, uh, they're calling it a digital information center. So you can go here. It's actually quite interesting. I've had a little bit of fun on here. So you can go here. It's railbaltica.org slash info slash en slash home. They have this interactive map that shows you where the railway line is planned. They have all these kind of creepy concept videos with you know people who look uh, you know, computer generated. They're kind of in that uh, uncanny valley, they call it, of you know looking realistic, but not realistic enough to not be extremely creepy. Um, and, you know, there, there's, of course, you know, some different kind of propaganda about the different benefits and, and all that. But again, Otto and I are very excited about this project, as a lot of people here are. And uh, so if you're interested in finding more about Rail Baltica, you can go there. And uh, it's a pretty cool little website they've put together. So I would definitely recommend it. Now, a few more domestic stories I'm going to kind of run through real quick before we get to the parts that we were able to record yesterday. So uh, a lot of people were talking about this story that was on English LSM and a lot of other places that 
this new data came out that the population is continuing to decline in Latvia and especially in regions outside of right around Riga. And apparently, so the only places where the population actually rose in 2018 were those in the Pierriga area. And there's no really great translation of this into English. It's kind of like by Riga, the area kind of around Riga. Um, there's this road, It's we, we call it here in Latvia, Opvedselsh, which is something like in England, you, you call this a ring road. Or, uh, you know, for example, in a lot of cities like, you know, Washington, D.C., you have a beltway. And so these are kind of, uh, you know, either towns or villages or, or counties either within this road or a little bit outside of it. And these were really the only places where the population didn't decrease. And largest population decrease, uh, which is not really a surprise here, was in the Lokale region. That is the eastern part of Latvia, which has been hit the hardest by these demographic changes. When we were recording the episode yesterday, Olives had this fantastic kind of in-depth breakdown of why these changes have been happening, why the population has been decreasing, and kind of comparing it with the situation in other places in Europe and also other places in the developed world. So uh, Olives and I are going to be doing the episode next week together. And when we do this, he will kind of go through that in a little bit more detail. So I'm going to kind of move on from this story right now. But again, you know, this is nothing that's been changing for quite a few decades now. So we will uh, get into that a little bit more next time. Something a little bit more surprising is a little bit about tourism. And it looks like, so there was two stories by the Baltic course, which if you've never used the Baltic course before, it's actually a very nice kind of online website. It focuses more on kind of business and economics, but uh, it's one of, I think, the best kind of English language news sources here in Latvia. There's a lot of stories that even uh, the English version of LSM don't cover or the Baltic Times don't cover. So uh, they, they do a nice little bit of reporting over there. And this was about Latvians spending less on trips in 2018 than in 2017, not only on trips in Latvia, but also trips outside of Latvia. And the most interesting part of this was that, as Otto discussed yesterday, you know, the economy's been doing better, and there's been a lot of indicators, for example, people eating out more, and, you know, a lot of these kind of little things here and there. And, you know, we we were kind of surprised to see that, you know, uh, people aren't spending more on their vacations necessarily, especially because Latvians, according to this article, went on more foreign trips, even though they spent less money on those trips. So... A um, little, little, little bit of a head-scratcher there. Now, these next two stories are both tax-related, which is Otto's favorite topic. My, you know, kind of our favorite topic together is rail, but but Otto really loves kind of discussing taxes and getting into the uh, nuts and bolts of those. So I will not, you know, again, go into as much detail as he would, but uh, he is not a very big fan of the tax reforms that happened uh, with the last government. They were implemented last year, kind of towards the end of the Kuczynskis government's time. And there was a story, again, by the English version of LSM, and it was reported in some other places as well, that donations to children's hospitals have decreased after those reforms were implemented because uh, donations, as, as they are in a lot of places in the world, you know, can be um, uh, written off as, as, as part of the tax burden. And apparently, um, so this is the Children's Clinical University Hospital Fund, the donations uh, to them have dropped by 25% after the tax reform. And we had a little bit of a discussion about this because, of course, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of friends who are much more kind of in the socialist camp or, you know, the social democratic camp. And you know, their argument would be, well, 
you know, this is a failure of the capitalist system because if the only reason why people, you know, are donating to charities is because of selfish material reasons, then there's the more economic liberal argument or the more libertarian argument, as we'd say in America, that like, well, you know, the government is the most efficient way to to give out uh, the money that needs to be given out to people in need or organizations in need. So, you know, that's an argument that I'm not going to get into because I'm sure all of you listening have your opinions about that. But at least, you know, here's some objective data that you can use to, uh, I don't know, uh, for your Facebook arguments that you have with your friends and family, uh, which I will uh, gladly not participate in. So anyway, another tax-related story. So the European Commission has made some recommendations to the government and specifically that the government implement some kind of uh, changes to reduce the tax burden on low-wage earners. So this was the uh, Baltic course that reported this. I, again, didn't really see this anywhere else. I might have missed this in the Latvian language media because I wasn't uh, quite looking so closely this week. But uh, that was one of the recommendations they made. Uh, again, Otto and Olev's had a nice discussion about progressive tax reform, um, which uh, you know we can definitely get into again in the future because... There'll always be, you know, again, death and taxes that you just can't avoid, and we can't avoid talking about it as well. So that was one of the recommendations that they made. Some other recommendations were that uh, Latvia continue being more careful supervising and implementing some of the anti-corruption, specifically anti-money laundering measures that have been proposed and implemented, especially since the collapse of ABLV Bank about a year and a half ago. Uh, And that was due to money laundering allegations for, among other uh, interesting clients, uh, possible companies tied with the North Korean military. So uh, there's been a lot of increased intention on money laundering in the Baltics, uh, specifically in Latvia. And uh, so there um, has been a much bigger push for that. So the European Commission, again, is uh, kind of uh, giving a little bit of a kick and saying that this needs to go a little bit faster and, and be more closely supervised. Uh, Also, a bunch of social recommendations, so addressing social exclusion, trying to improve minimum income benefits, minimum old age pensions, uh, supporting people with disabilities, specifically monetarily, improving the quality of education and training of low-skilled workers. So a big laundry list of things that uh, sound great and, you know, would be great to have, but are not as easy to implement as they sound. Otherwise, they, you know, really would have been already. So... Speaking of money laundering, you might remember a one Mr. Ilmar Zermshevich, who was and still technically is the president of the Bank of Latvia, which used to be in charge of the country's monetary policy, now is kind of in charge of implementing the European-wide monetary policy, and, and he was in a big load of trouble last year for being under allegations for taking bribes. And he was basically blocked from his job. And a few months later, if you remember, there was a big controversy because the European Court of Justice, he he appealed it to them, and they said that, sorry, you have to let him go back to his job because you you haven't submitted the concrete evidence that there there was a crime that was committed. There's a very specific process that the European courts asked for. So he actually was, basically the country was forced to allow him to go back to his job. Again, big debate about that when that happened. I remember a lot of people were very unhappy. A lot of people were accusing the EU of, you know, trying to block corruption reform in Latvia. You know, again, though, as Otto and I love to talk about, you know, there there is a specific system that has to be followed. This is a rule of law country. Procedures do have to be followed. 
but he was in the news this week because not only are there additional charges of corruption, so this was actually uh, Bloomberg, which is the kind of illustrious uh, international business and news magazine. So according to them, there were additional money laundering charges. So not only did he take a bribe or attempt to take a bribe, but he also attempted to launder the bribe as well, which, uh, you know, again, hasn't been proven, but but there are allegations of that right now. Uh, things did not also go well for him when he was uh, giving out new financial forecasts this week. So this was LSM who reported this. He was at a press conference explaining some of the bank's uh, macroeconomic forecasts for the next year, and there was this protester who went up to him. He unrolled this poster that just said the words, no shame, with uh, Mr. Rimchevich's face on it, and then walked back to his seat and sat down. And at least from this video that was uh, released, you know, I can't tell if police escorted him out after that or anything like that. Uh, that certainly would have happened in America at the very least, but, you know, um, the, 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 this kind of thing isn't quite so popular here in Latvia, so I don't know if people even really know what to do in that situation. Uh, anyway, we will continue keeping an eye on Mr. Rimshevich, as I'm sure many, many of you are. And speaking of money laundering once again, so the Latvian Environmental Investment Fund has officially suspended payments to the Ventspils Music School project. And this was Baltic Course who reported on this because uh, there is an ongoing kind of controversy with money that's been going to that project. Not only have a lot of regulations, it uh, looks like, not been followed in terms of fire safety, in terms of the quality of the project, and also about the use of greenhouse gas emission uh, measures uh, that have not been followed, uh, but there, you know, again, is um, uh, different allegations of sketchy financing going on with that project. And that is, again, uh, Ventspils, that is the city of Ivars Lembergs, who is the mayor there, who has been under investigation for the last decade for a wide variety of white-collar crimes. So there will probably not be many of our uh, longtime listeners who are surprised by allegations of corruption in Ventspils. So that just about does it for the major domestic news stories of the week. I hope that I did not fall completely flat on my face without Otto being here or being over Skype. And before we get to the international news section and the uh, week in history, week in the future that Otto did, we have a correspondent named Mr. Chris Ockenfelds. He is a Latvian Australian who has been cycling the entire border of Latvia. He's been going around uh, Korsame, which is the western region of Latvia. He will be circumnavigating the entire country over the next few weeks. We called into him yesterday, and I do have that audio right here, and I am going to go back and play it. So let's see what Chris had to say about what he saw over the past week. Hello, Chris speaking. Hello, Chris. This is Joe. You are on Latvia Weekly. How are you? Not too bad. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. So we've all been following you on Facebook, and it looks like you're in Pavlovsta right now. Is that correct? That's correct, and I'm back in a tent, like I've sometimes on the road spent time in various guest houses, etc. But tonight, I'm just camping wild. So I understand that you've seen a lot of kind of the middle part of Korsame. So you went into Kuldiga and then also Alsunga. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Uh, like I've last since I've last spoken to you, I spent some time in Ventspils, which is a quite a well-known Latvian city. I cycled down to Kuldiga, which is a very, very photogenic sort of place. But out of curiosity, I went to a small town called Alsunga. Uh, I was fascinated by this place because I was aware of a documentary 
involving a young Japanese anthropology student who went there to live amongst the uh, Suiti culture of Alsunga, and it was the subject of a documentary called uh, Ruch Unnore. And I went there, and it looked, to be honest, I, it has been the most magnificent experience I've had yet of anywhere in Latvia visiting that small town of Alsunga. Now, Chris, from what I understand, uh, at least based on your Facebook post, uh, you were a little bit of a curiosity when you uh, showed up in Alsunga. Well, yes, I think I think it was a little bit surprising to locals. I don't really know how many foreign people they see. I mean, it's not a well-known town to people from foreign countries visiting Latvia. But um, I guess they were a little bit surprised I was Australian, but also I have some Latvian heritage, and I was speaking this tiny pinch of Latvian language, and my Latvian language is just terrible. But at the guest house I stayed, the manager there, he started making phone calls and telling people, we've got an Australian here, his dad's Latvian. And he arranged for people to come forward who did some very special things for me. Like they, there's a Livonian order castle there. They unlocked the castle just for me so I could go inside and have a look. And they did the same with the museum and a few other places. It was just a humbling and just the most incredible experience and the kindness of the local people was just terrific. Now, part of your decision to go into Kuldiga, I know that you were torn between going to Kuldiga or maybe going on the coastline. So uh, we had a poll on the Latvia Weekly Facebook page and we had two choices and people voted for you to go to Kuldiga. So is your trip going to become a little bit more of kind of a, I don't know, like a crowdsourced trip? Are you, are you going to have uh, maybe some more poll options in the future, or do you already know where you're going to go next? I, I haven't given a lot of thought to that. I know tomorrow I'm definitely heading to Leopaya, and I'll probably stay there for about three nights. But uh, even though I've got a rudimentary idea of what I'm going to be doing around Latvia, it could change at a moment's notice. Like, I, I don't have it set it's not crystallized. It's not set in stone. And I may be up for putting things to polls on Latvia Weekly at a future date, too. I, I suspect that's probably something I will do. So that's fantastic. Now, uh, you mentioned also that you have gotten some practice in Latvian. Have you have you learned any new interesting words that have been, uh, I don't know, useful for you somehow uh, being, being out in the countryside? Probably not so much new words. It's sort of more picking up a bit of confidence to actually roll up my sleeves, take a deep breath and actually try saying things to people. Because in the past, I knew, because my quality of Latvian is very bad, I'm sometimes too embarrassed to use it. So I fall back on English. And in places like Riga and the bigger centres, you can fall back on English. But sometimes getting to the smaller towns, there's not as many people there speaking English, or their English might not be as fantastic. And I've had no choice but to start using Latvian, no matter how embarrassing that might be for me, because I know the person talking to me is hearing a person who speaks Latvian like an idiot, but it's actually been a good experience. And I think the more non-English-speaking Latvians I run into, probably the better. Well, Chris, we wish you a very, very successful both trip and a intensive Latvian language course, which it seems like you've kind of uh, given yourself. So um, for all of those who are listening, um, you can... Uh, you can go to Chris's blog at Ockenfelds on the Road, and you can uh, also follow him uh, on the Latvia Weekly Facebook page. We're also following his uh, trip there. Uh, my last question for you, Chris, is how has the weather been over in Korsame? Excellent. It has been an absolute dream, and I've managed to even dodge a few bullets because, like, I left uh, Alsunga today to head to Pavilosta, and the weather was terrific all the way, but one of my contacts in Alsunga has told me after I left the town was hit by hailstorms, like really, really big hailstones. 
And I'm very thankful I wasn't riding down the road with big lumps of ice hitting me. So I've just seemed to have followed the sun everywhere I've gone there. I've avoided rain, storms, everything that was reported that's bad, I've managed to miss. So it's been, I'm really grateful for that. It's been fantastic. Well, here's a little bit of the preview for the weather over the next couple of days. So again, this is for Riga, so it might not be quite so... Um, I don't know, it, it might not be quite so relevant uh, where you are right now because the weather can be quite different sometimes. But Thursday is going to be a high of 30 again, going back up. Uh, again, some thunderstorms expected. Friday, it's going to be down a little bit to 24. Uh, again, some, some thunderstorms possibly in the afternoon. Saturday, it's going to be 24 as well. Each of these days, you know, either sunny or partly cloudy. Uh, Sunday, also about 28, a little bit higher. Also some thunderstorms possible. Uh, then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, all highs of 24 and then lows of uh, the, the, the lower teens in the evening and again this is all in celsius so that brings us right into just about the next episode so chris hopefully the weather will hold up and uh, we wish you a very safe and uh, successful journey so th- thanks so much for uh, talking with us tonight thank you very much joe and i look forward to talking to you again sometime soon so Otto, what happened throughout the world this week that those of us here in Latvia should be paying attention to or should have paid attention to? Uh, similarly, like Emil's uh, Liepinch provided the best sport news of the week, uh, the best international news uh, of the week for Latvia is, of course, the news that uh, coalition has decided to back uh, Mr. Valdis Dombrovskis uh, for the Euro Commissioner position again. So it is always uh, nice that the coalition did uh, not go into a, a long uh, and uh, unconstructive uh, discussion about it. And uh, we might see a continuity and possibly even uh, also Mr. Dombrovskis continuing as one of, uh, in one of the top jobs, uh, perhaps also keeping his vice uh, president uh, position as well. Now, why concretely is that a good thing for Latvia if Mr. Dombrovskis is in a top position? Uh, first of all, uh, it is a uh, continuity. Uh, we have had uh, Mr. Dombrovskis uh, represent uh, Latvia, and also he's uh, part of the coalition and the uh, party of the prime minister, which means that he has the uh, best connection with the national government, and our national government has the one of the best connections uh, with the uh, top uh, institution uh, of uh, the European Union, that is the European uh, Commission. Uh, and also, uh, Mr. Dombrovskis' experience uh, in uh, this uh, position uh, is also uh, very helpful because that means that the policy on uh, such uh, issues uh, as Euro, uh, for which he has been the uh, chief responsible person, uh, will not change in an uh, unimaginable fashion. And that is, of course, beneficial both for uh, corporation and businesses and also for us as individuals uh, for whom it is important uh, what the value of euros in our uh, pockets is. Uh, One uh, uh, perhaps uh, side thought uh, on this story would be uh, the calculation or the strategy behind uh, Atistibe party because so far they haven't had any of the uh, top positions uh, except of uh, faring well at the European election and having uh, some of the positions in the government. It will be interesting to see whether it is a strategy for them to find some other uh, beneficial solutions or decisions for their part or perhaps they are playing in the long term and waiting uh, for the next government formation process to be 
in the government but not so close to the uh, power and also to the responsibility and so perhaps to propose uh, their own uh, prime minister as the head of possible uh, new government uh, and uh, that will be certainly a development and dynamic that is important from this international story to the domestic policy level. Uh, another important uh, international news is that uh, we can congratulate our neighbor Estonia with being elected as a non-permanent member of the United Nations Security Council. And uh, this uh, non-permanent uh, status means that uh, Estonia will hold this position uh, for 2020 and 2021 and there are a number of procedures where the vote of not only the permanent members but also of these uh, non-permanent members uh, is very important in uh, dealing uh, with many important issues remembering that the United Nations Security Council is the only institution in the global system of politics that uh, has been allowed to uh, permit uh, the use of force in international relationship. Uh, that means uh, all the matters of international conflicts, uh, crisis, uh, and um, uh, a number of issues. Uh, also, uh, if we look at uh, Ukraine, if we look at the Middle East and other issues, uh, the voice of the United Nations Security Council is, of course, one of the most uh, important ones. Uh, if we look uh, to the south of Latvia, we have uh, another good news, uh, that being the re-establishment of uh, Rendje Majeiti uh, railing between Latvia and uh, Lithuania. Uh, where, uh, as we remember, um, more than 10 years ago, uh, the Lithuanian railway uh, uh, removed uh, this part of the track. Um, claiming that it was a matter of uh, the stability of this infrastructure. Uh, but uh, as a result, uh, the uh, uh, oil refinery uh, in uh, Majeti uh, couldn't use the shortest way to the sea through Riga and had to use the Lithuanian railway and Lithuanian ports instead. Uh, as a result, uh, the uh, oil refinery, together with the Latvian government, uh, uh, complained about this in the European Commission, uh, which found that uh, Lithuania uh, had uh, indeed uh, violated uh, the rules of uh, competition, uh, made them pay a fine, and also uh, uh, put forward a decision for them to uh, reconstruct this uh, railway link. And that is, of course, great news for the Riga port, uh, very good news, uh, probably even better news for the Majority oil refinery. And uh, the Minister of uh, Transport that we mentioned before, Mr. Tals Linkai, this also uh, was considering uh, the possible opening of a passenger uh, transit between uh, Riga and Majeti, connecting this northern part of Lithuania uh, to Riga, to Riga airport, and also uh, benefiting both uh, Zemgal and Gemaiti, uh, the, the border regions of Latvia and Lithuania, uh, by uh, increasing the number of connections uh, that are avail available to them. And uh, that would be all for international news. That's great, but I think you also have something you'd like to talk about from this week in Latvian history, and then also what's going to happen this week in Latvia. Certainly. Uh, so uh, June is uh, a hot month, not only uh, weather-wise and politically, but also if we look at our history, uh, because one of the uh, most important events and proceedings happened in uh, June 1919, in the middle of uh, the Latvian War of Independence. And uh, these were events that were, uh, that were important not only for Latvia, but also for Estonia. As um, on uh, June 5th, uh, a Danish company, uh, that meaning uh, around 100 people who were Danish volunteers, uh, then uh, 
uh, under the command of Estonian army, uh, won over uh, Krustpils and Jakobpils cities from the Red Army. Uh, which uh, was a very important development as there was a, and a very important rail connection and uh, also the central position uh, in the Latvian territory. So shout out uh, to the Danish volunteers who helped uh, Latvia uh, gain its independence back then. Also, uh, an even bigger shout-out goes uh, to uh, Estonians, uh, who at that time uh, helped us uh, after the Baltic-German coup that we mentioned in uh, one of the weeks before, uh, where the Latvian provisional government uh, held out in pockets of Latvia, uh, including uh, also ships uh, just uh, in the port of uh, Liepāja uh, under uh, British and uh, French um, uh, uh, supervision. Uh, where uh, it was uh, with the help of uh, Estonian forces uh, that we uh, fought and uh, against and won uh, over the Baltic German Landeswehr, uh, who wanted uh, to uh, preclude uh, Latvian independence. Uh, and um, as a result of a successful counterattack, uh, we almost got back uh, Riga in uh, summer 1919. Uh, however, at that time, the Entente, the uh, French uh, and the British, uh, found it important for the German forces to stay in Latvia to prevent the Bolsheviks uh, 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 from coming uh, in the rest of Europe. So uh, they had to make an armistice, but as a result, uh, the Latvian provisional government, led by Karl Sulmanis, uh, got, uh, got back Riga at that time. However, uh, many of the Baltic Germans uh, did not want uh, to lose this opportunity to have their own political power and their own territory, so they left the Baltic Landeswehr to join the uh, West Russian Volunteer Army, which was notoriously led by Pavel's Bermonds. So uh, they tried to push back and uh, uh, did a number of activities uh, on, up until the end of November when the uh, Latvian army uh, in a very important fight, the most important fight of the Latin War of Independence, uh, won them over and uh, won our independence by throwing uh, all of the uh, foreign forces out of the country. And um, uh, in close connection to uh, this uh, week and month in history, uh, I can recommend uh, you all to visit Cesis, uh, the famous place of this battle uh, starting from June 15 to June 22, when an Estonian armored train that took part in this battle 100 years ago will be exhibited in Cesis uh, train station. So for all of you, the fans of history and fan of trains, uh, there are at least two very good reasons to visit this uh, beautiful city of Cesis in the heart of Vidzeme. That's fantastic. Now, Otto, we mentioned at the beginning that this is a little bit of a kind of a going away mm -hmm. celebration for you as well. That's why Olevs is here uh, and uh, in Yelgova with you. Can you tell us a little bit about where you are going to be this summer and what you will be doing? Uh, thank you, Joe. Uh, I will be very happy to spend uh, two months of my summer in the United States as uh, I have been uh, selected as a participant of a study of United States uh, Institute's uh, foreign policy program. Uh, so it will be a set of uh, fantastic uh, courses, uh, lectures, seminars with uh, some of the uh, top uh, professors and scholars of uh, foreign affairs uh, in the great states of uh, Delaware, uh, Pennsylvania, New York. 
Texas, uh, as well as uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, and so I will also have the chance to uh, celebrate uh, the 4th of July in an authentic uh, American way by having a barbecue with uh, other students in this uh, course and, of course, a number of Americans. Uh, we'll also uh, have a, a traditional dinner with uh, an American family uh, that uh, will be <laughs> provided for us or we will be provided for them. And also I will have the great opportunity to help out in a, a food bank in uh, Philadelphia and do a number of other activities that will help me to know more and understand the United States better and uh, use uh, this knowledge and experience, uh, first of all, in uh, teaching about it uh, to my students at Riga Graduate School of Law and in uh, a number of uh, other uh, opportunities that I will have uh, when speaking about foreign policy and international relations. So that means that Otto is going to be quite busy this summer. He is going to try his best to call mm -hmm. in as often as possible and continue co-hosting. But of course, uh, here in Latvia, we have another very competent co-host who will be hopefully filling in uh, Thank you. as much as possible. So, so Olevs, uh, we are going to be hearing a lot more from you this summer and um, and your uh, and, and your analysis as well, which uh, will be uh, very very nice. So, um, so hopefully, we'll all, all three of us will be able to uh, continue mm -hmm. doing this. Um, but. Uh, do not worry. This podcast is not going anywhere. We've got lots of plans this summer. We do wish you again a very safe, happy summer season or the beginning of the summer season. So, you know, once again, please be safe when you are out cooling down and uh, make sure to wear lots of sunscreen. We do still have very harsh sun here in the Baltics. Yes. And um, we hope that you take care. So any final words before we go, uh, Olives and, uh, and Otto? Uh, thanks uh, for ha having me in this very interesting uh, project, uh, talking about very different uh, things um, uh, of the Latvian uh, politics and life and also sports and, uh, and hobbies. So uh, I, would, I would enjoy this summer with you, definitely. Absolutely. So see you next time. <laughs> and uh, Otto? Yeah, uh, I'm uh, very happy about this development and I think that will bring a re refreshing change to what has already been uh, 40 or something uh, episode that we have uh, created, including the specials and interviews and the continuous talk about the uh, rail development policy throughout uh, this more than a half year that we have been uh, in this uh, uh, wonderful uh, English-speaking podcast uh, about Latvia. And that is a very special thank you that I would like to continue. Um, thank you for those of you who have listened to all 40 of the episodes that we've made or, you know, those of you who've listened to even some of them or just this one. Uh, we hope that you enjoy the show. Uh, please feel free to give us some feedback either on our website or on our Facebook page, Latvia Weekly. Uh, please make sure also to subscribe. Also, leave us a review on wherever you're listening to us, be it Apple Podcast or SoundCloud or uh, Stitcher, any, any of those wonderful apps. And until next week, peace and love, Vizio. Peace and love, peace and love.